0: As-salamu alaykum, dear listeners, and welcome to CIC's podcast channel. In this series, Sheikh Akram will explore the profound teachings of Imam Nawawi, one of the most revered Islamic scholars of our time. His collection of 40 hadith encompasses a treasure trove of guidance and timeless wisdom.
1: So get ready to be inspired and motivated. the second hadith, again from Umar And Umar إذ طلع علينا رجل شديد بياض الثياب شديد سواد الشعر لا يرى عليها تر السفر ولا يعرفه منا أحد حتى جلس إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأسند ركبتيه إلى ركبتيه ووضع كفه على فخذيه وقال يا محمد أخبرني علي الإسلام فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ألي أن تشهد لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتسوم رمضان وتحج البيت استطعت إليه سبيل قال صدقت فعجبنا له يسأله ويصدقه قال فأخبرني عن الإيمان قال أن تؤمن بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسوله واليوم الآخر وتؤمن بالقدر خيره وشره قال صدقت قال فأخبرني عن الإحسان قال أن تعبد الله كأنك تراه فإن لم تكن تراه فإنه يراك قال فأخبرني عن الساعة قال المسؤول عنها بأعلم من السائل قال فأخبرني عن مارتها وعن قال أن تلد الأمه ربتها وأن ترى الحفاة العرات العالة ريع الشاة يطأون في البنيان ثم انطلق فلبث مليا ثم قال يا عمر أتدري من السائل قلت الله ورسوله أعلم قال جبريل يعلمكم دينكم مسلمون. this hadith actually are so very important because this hadith it basically explains all the religion. You know, whatever the of Islam is, this hadith uh, contains uh, all of that. And the, the, because the hadith is so important, that's why many great uh, scholars of Islam, they started their book with this hadith. Like Imam Muslim, ta'ala, after writing his muqaddimah of Sahih Muslim, the first hadith that he has got in his book is this hadith. Similarly, Imam Baghwi, in both of his book, Sharh Sunnah and al- al-Masabih, the first hadith that he has got you know, this hadith. This hadith is very, very important and very important to, uh, to learn the uh, this, uh, meaning of this hadith properly. This hadith has been narrated by many companions, but the one which actually uh, which are in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, they are only from two companions. One is from Umar Khattab. And second is from Abu Hurairah. These two hadiths, they, they are you know, Sahih on the top, but there are also from other companions. The hadith of Abu Hurairah in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim both. The hadith of Abu Hurairah is in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim both. The same hadith of Jibreel. And the hadith of Umar is only in Sahih Muslim. Imam Bukhari does not have this. Though hadith of Umar actually is more complete, and actually it, there are more meaning in that. And that why you can see Imam Muslim actually started the whole chapter with the Hadith of Umar, not with the Hadith of hurairah And that why you can see Imam, Imam Nawi he selected the Hadith of Umar, not Hadith of hurairah The Hadith of Umar, for many, many reasons, more preferred over the Hadith of hurairah But there are some technical reasons why Imam Taala did not get the Hadith of Umar in his Sahih. So those, you know, we don't need to discuss those technical reasons. But anyway, keep in mind that this Hadith which Imam Nawi had here, it is in Sahih Muslim but not in Bukhari. Bukhari has got the same hadith from the companion Abu Huraz Anhu and that hadith also in Sahih Muslim. And hadith is very important. This basically, as I mentioned earlier, really, it is the hadith where Jibreel السلام, has come and he asks certain questions and those questions basically they are very important for this region. So he asks question and then the Prophet answered the question everybody can learn the question and answer properly and that actually the basic summary of the whole region. So Hadith is Umar says <speaking in Hebrew> meanwhile when we are sitting with the Prophet sallallahu one day and Hadith Abu Huraira also says the Prophet was sitting in a place which was more prominent everybody can see him. And that hadith has come in, in Abu Dawood that the Prophet, the companions, they made a high place for the Prophet because visitors used to come and they could not recognize who is the Prophet. They used to have difficulty. So they made a high place for him, come so he could sit there. So you know the people could know that this is the Prophet. So one day the Prophet was sitting on this high place and everybody around uh, uh, Prophet Prophet was sitting there. So Omar is saying, once we were sitting with the Prophet. Uh, then suddenly we saw that you know tala'a means like rising of the sun. So a man appeared upon us. bayadi he thayab. He, you know, he has white cloth and they are very very white. To so the whiteness of the cloth was very severe, very very very, very white the cloth. Shadidu shar and the hair was black and very very black. So you can see basically meaning, for example if somebody is coming from far away, you know, in those days, whether you come in walking or you come on the camel, you know, your clothes will not be so, so clean because there is so much dust. But this person, he comes there and his, his clothes are very white, very clean, and his hair is black, There no dust, nothing is there. And that's why the ulama say that, you know, whenever you come to see someone, actually this hadith actually teaches many, many things. So one of the things is when the people come to learn hadith or learn anything, to come to their teacher or when the people actually visit each other, the, the way in Islam is that people must make effort to have their you know, best clothes. You know, because you know, people want to see nicer clothes. Abu'l-Ali, one of the great tabi'i, he said, تزابروا, In the past where Muslims used to visit each other, they used to have nice clothes, they used to beautify themselves, you know, come in nice appearance. So, yeah. and the Prophet has said one of the hadiths in Maja. أَحْسَنُ مَا زُرْتُمْ بِهِ اللَّهَ فِي قُبُورِكُمْ وَمَسَاجِدِكُمْ الْبَيَاضِ The best thing, best color by which you can visit Allah SWT, whether in your graves, after your death, or you come to the mosque, is white color. So when people come, you know, when people are buried, you know, the kafan you know, uh, uh, the shrouds, they should be white, or also when the people come to the mosque, <coughs> white color. But it is not necessary. The Prophet sometimes change the color. So the meaning basically is, you know, it should be clean, and, it should, you know, it, uh, and there should be no dirt uh, to clean clothes and uh, no doubt mostly the Prophet used to have uh, uh, the, uh, the white uh, cloth. And it also takes, uh, tells very clearly that, you know, it is really, uh, you know, Islam is not against beauty. And Islam is not against good appearance. When people come to somewhere, if somebody wants to have a nice clothes, a nice appearance that's not against Islam. Islam never minds something like that. What Islam does not like is arrogance, pride. If people have a good cloth and they become arrogant and proud and showing off, that is the problem. Otherwise, to have nice clothes, good appearance, to beautify yourself, that never, never against Islam. Actually, like this culture which has come in you know, a certain community, certain parts of Muslim community in every part of history, especially many, many Sufis, when they think, you know, if you have, you know, rough cloth and when you have dirty clothes, you are nearer to Allah this is not from Islam. Other religions, they have made this thing that when people become more dirty, they become nearer to Allah swt. Islam is when you are more pure, more clean, that you are nearer to Allah swt. One of the early you know, people who have got this Sufi tendency, Farqad uh, from Basra, rahimullah, he was a good pious person, but he used to have very rough cloth, like, you know, not caring about the cloth. So once he was passing by, Hassan Basri, the great alim, great scholar of Basra, he pulled his clothes and said to him, Ya Farqad, Ya Furayqid, Yabna So, you know, making his name, Ya Farqad, O little Farqad, O oh, the son of the mother of little Farqad. You know, saying all these things to make it lower. Say, Inna al birra laisa fi lupsi haadal kesa. You know, it birra piety is not in wearing this rough cloth. Inna mal birra ma waqara fi sadr wa saddakahul amal. Birra piety is what is in your heart and what is in your actions. That actually piety is not in the cloth. So some people think if you have r- rough clothes, you become more pious and some people make the identity, you know, they recognize with this. There are certain groups, you know, certain types of the turbans, certain types of the colors, colors of the clothes. They basically the identity of those, those groups. This is nothing to do with Islam. Islam does not like to make identity like that. And you can see the company, other parts, they did not make the clothes their identity. They used to be like any other people, you know, the, all, among them scholars, non scholars, everybody has the you know, same clothes. Everybody is the same thing, but they used to, you know, if they are rich and they can afford they would have, you know, better clothes. But otherwise, they used to make effort anyway for their appearance. So making effort to make your appearance as good as possible, that is part of the Sunnah of the Prophet it is not against Islam. Those people who have this culture, to make your appearance, you know, uh, uh, rough, uh, clothes rough, that is not from Islam. La yuraya alaihi atharus safar, and there was no sign of travelling on that mind. You know, if somebody having white cloth and his hair are all black, no dust is there, so you think that it must, you know, he, he must be uh, you know, f- f- from that place. But this person you know, again emphasized, there was no sign of travelling from him. So it must be from local. But Umar khattas said, and nobody knew him. So this was amazing for this person, that this person came, such a nice cloth and everything very clean. So it looks that he is not a traveler, he must be from, from, from Medina. But again Umar said nobody knew him, nobody recognized him. So this, was, you know, this person from very beginning, it was, he was different from the people, no doubt because he was an angel. So you know, he is not from the local, but at the same time his clothes are clean, his appearance is very clean to, to the people. Hatta Jalasa Until he said to the Prophet You know, people say, you know, it, it, hadith does not mention, whether he says salam to the Prophet or not. But no doubt because the Hadith actually does not include everything. So there are some versions of Hadith which has come very clear that when the person came and, you know, and, and he was nearer to the, to the assembly of the Prophet he says salam to the Prophet So Salaam was there though it is not mentioned in the Hadith. It is Sunnah of the Prophet Whenever you come to any people before asking them anything, the first thing is people should say as salamu alaykum. So that has come in some of the Hadith. He came to the Prophet. Then he joined his knees to the knees of the Prophet. Very close to the Prophet. And he put his palms on his thighs. He put his palms on whose thighs? There are two different opinions. Some people say he put his palms on the thighs of the Prophet. You know, making an attention making something different from the rest of the people. And that was the preference I am knowing and some people easy. Uh, but uh, most people say no. He put his hand, his palms on his own thighs, like a student. When the student comes to the teacher, you know they, they sit properly and they put their hands on their own thighs to so, a you know, good manner. Basically, this person is coming in a good manner after like a student learning from the Prophet. So he said, Oh Muhammad. You know, the some versions of the hadith. Where he says Ya Rasulullah.
2: So, my question is about the intention. mentioned that it's important to make an intention for every good action you do. Sometimes uh, we tend to forget to make intention. Is it acceptable that we make one intention for the whole life? That whenever I eat I for the whole life I will eat for, a safe for the sake of Allah or whatever good need I do.
1: Is it okay to do that for the whole life, so that people forget once, once it's still part of your whole life of intention? Actually, uh, uh, intention must uh, uh, accompany the action. The Ulama say, An niya must be accompanying the action. Yeah. It is not only that the beginning of the even accompanying it. For example, if you start the prayer with pure intention, and in between of the prayer, your mind goes to show the people. Then you is correct. Pure ninja must accompany the action all the time. So, you know, if they don't allow intention even for that action once, how can they allow for the whole life? You know, very, very important. People must make practice how to make intention for the action and going, accompany, accompanying it for all the time. So in you know, one year, not enough. I mean, in the fact, maybe sometimes Malik said, you know, when the month of Ramadan comes and people make intention for the fasting, then that intention is for the whole month of Ramadan. But that intention was the intention of the mind, meaning it, it will must fast for the month of Ramadan. But that intention does not make it, you know, that it, for Allah subhanahu That's a different matter. You know, purity of the intention of sincerity, that must come continue all the time with the action. But the intention of the fact, yeah, sometimes it can you know, start one intention and it can you know for for, for the whole uh, action. But not not with this action, intention, which is in this hadith. Exactly. Sisters, do you have a question? Do
2: you have a question? Yeah. Okay. If anybody wants to send written questions, you're welcome to do so. Just send a, send a piece of paper to the I
3: was just wondering when you said that someone can have academic intention, at the same time, inshallah, mm-hmm. like, like, to increase their vote. But sometimes you said, when you mentioned especially about this um, person who didn't want to go to the funeral, because he couldn't like make up his intention like, properly. But just I mean, Sometimes we're like in a rush, and we have like to make something or an action, and then we have like an intention, like a main one, but sometimes contaminated by other intentions. And we have to really like wait until it's very clear, or go for it and like you kind know, of hope that like, the intention is pure. You
1: know, think that purity of intention and sincerity, they don't come in one day. It just takes a lot long, long time. To so make effort, but because because intention not pure, not very clear, don't miss the action. For example, when the time of the prayer comes and you are struggling for the intention, and now time is running out, don't miss the action. No action must be done on the time. Uh, you know that person may be, be prayer or say something which people can you know it, 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 it is for the kafir, it is not for the, for the lion. So, but anyway, the thing is that people have to struggle for our whole life. To make effort, but if still you can see the problem in the intention, don't worry. you know, Do your action, and next time make more effort, next time more, more effort. The way is not that you don't do action without intention. This is not the thing. The thing is learn how to make intention. Otherwise, then people can't do any action. And that's why all must say that right intention only can come with action. You cannot make intention without action. To keep make action and also make intention properly, until one day to come, you become sincere inshallah and by making effort you get reward inshallah. I just want to clarify, I mean, this concept of mind and heart, I mean, you
2: know, thing is. uh, to me, sometimes we are very difficult to different differentiate like that
1: much of feeling, but there is mind and heart must be so close to each other time. And intention is also related to both. Can you sir, elaborate on this, please? You know what I mean by intention by mind is intention which can separate the, adha, the habit from the ibadah, or one ibadah from the other ibadah, whether it is mind or somewhere else. What I mean by heart actually is the sincerity. So there are two types of traditions. For example, when I go for the prayer, I should know I am praying for the. Oh, it is word prayer. That is why I mean intention by the mind. Intention which can make a distinction between one ibadah uh, from the other ibadah. But intention of the heart means when people make intention to do for the sake of Allah. Whether you do for the or nothing, the next intention should be, I am doing for the sake of Allah. So mostly when they discuss the intention, they mean, they mean the first intention. The meaning is that what in your mind? You're doing further nafla, you go further nafla. But they're not discussing the intention of the purity of the heart. That That is what in this hadith is. So, for a faqih will say if you make intention that you're fasting for nafla, to nafla. If you make intention that you're fasting for your qada fasting, to your qada fasting. But whether that qada fasting, enough fasting accepted by Allah, that depends on the purity of the heart, you know, and sincerity. That I'm trying to say. But does not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know our hearts and
2: know our actions? Doesn't he see everything? I mean, if I do a sin, I don't have any intention, and I'm still punished for it. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees it. At the same time, I go from my house to pray in fajr in the morning. I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again sees me going, sees me doing bodu, sees me driving to the mosque. And he sees my heart
1: as well. So doesn't he know, I mean, from that point of view? Oh, it is not his knowledge. He was you know his knowledge is, even before we are born with it, before he created, he knows everything anyway. But he wants it to be known to us as well. So basically if we don't, we don't make this effort, we don't get reward. It is not that he does not know. It is not nothing to do with that. You know, if you don't have intention, he knows that you don't have intention. He wants it to be known to you that you make intention, you make effort for that. But otherwise Allah knows everything before people were created. That will come in the hadith, Inshallah. soon so, Anyway, Allah SWT wants the, the slaves to make effort. They make effort that they want to do for the sake of Allah SWT so not nobody else. And sisters,
3: One
1: person makes the intention to please Allah and the second person makes the intention to please Allah and to gain reward and um, to be uh, among the people of the Quran. Does the second person get more reward than the first one? You know, the thing is, if this is true that when somebody has more intention, they get more reward. But uh, also one has to know that what means more intention. There are certain intentions, you know, three, four intentions, are the same. So for example, if somebody does prayer to please Allah or does prayer to get paradise, or does pray to be saved from the fire of hell? It's all same intention. In this intention, nobody gets more reward. Basically, how deep your intention is. But in no doubt, there are certain intention you know where they can be killing more than one. So, for example, imagine really that you know if you have a, a apply like for example a woman, she puts you know she she wears a nice clothes. And she thinks that by wearing nice clothes, she will be better at the prayer, she gets reward. And after she makes intention that it is is going to please her husband, she gets more, more reward. So these are two different intentions. So even if people do more intention, they get more reward. But keep in mind, sometimes more than one intention, is still with the same intention. So you know, this thing should be but must make very clear. We raising Allah, Taala, working for the sake of paradise. Oh, making intention to be saved from the far of hell, all of them are the same intention There's no difference among them. It's the same intention. Sorry. Uh, I just got
2: a question to uh-huh. ask about the Hadith in book order the code of reports are
1: are there anything in the book are they order of importance? Are they placed number one the mm-hmm. most in the most important order? Or just basically You know the hadith. Here, you know the hadith here is by content. You know by, by So first start with the intention one, then he comes hadith al the which has got all the religion, Imam, Islam, Ihsan, and the day of judgment, the sign of the day of judgment, And then I you know comes again about Islam and about uh, about about a subject, not about which is the more important. So, no not in the first hadith intention, it are certainly you know, very important hadith as well, and not very authentic. But that's not the order. Sometimes you can see, you know, hadith comes from Abu and Dirmidi, and after the hadith comes from Bukhari and Muslim. In like one of the last hadiths is from Bukhari, and before that, there are some hadiths which are not so strong. So, hadith, the order here in, in the mind of Imam Noir a kind of subject matter.
2: So,
3: Were after
2: Can um, you the mic was on before. No. no,
3: it's okay. Is this true no. that um, Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim were
1: compiled after? After what? After
3: no.
2: uh, Imam
1: Nawwaz, yeah. um, No, no. Bukhari, Muslim. They what are the they they. Imam Imam Navi takes from them Bukhari. Imam Bukhari died in 256 of Ijra. And you know Imam Muslim died in 261, so you know they are so early. And Imam Nawawi died in 676. Imam Nawawi basically 400 years, more than 400 years after Bukhari Muslim. The Bukhari Muslim they are the main author. Type. Is this a question? Yeah. The reason I was asking was I was
3: just wondering um, if you could elaborate. Could it be that uh, Imam Nawawi had a different definition of what a sahih hadith is? You know when you were saying that seven of the hadiths in his book that he said are sahih. Their
1: scholars said that they're not. That, did, they, did they have any difference of opinion about Sahih hadith well? yeah this is no doubt really. the definition of the Sahih hadith actually is not one agreed upon by all the people. When Bukhari Muslim they have hadith in their book, that is the most that the top category of the Sahih Hadith, no doubt about that really. but there are also other hadith Sahih which are in Abu and but they are not Bukhari Muslim. Uh, and uh, there are some other hadith that even not Bukh never Abu Daud, Dirmidhi, Still, people say uh, sahi. So there are differences sort of opinion. So when those hadiths will come, you know, when they will come, I will discuss them and what the reason Imam, Imam Nawawi think that they are still authentic, and I will also explain the opinions of the other scholars. So you just you know, people can know this thing, uh, and and then you can. You know, still I am saying is that even if they are weak, they still basically are worth to be used for the fada'ah. They can't of alama. It's still worth that Imam Imam hadiths, those hadiths, the hadith, they are not so weak. There's still a strong enough to be used for the Fala'i. Okay.
0: Asalaamu Alaikum, Shaykh. I have a question about Surah Hadith and the mention of weak Hadith. I just wanted to have the Muhammadi theme comes from consensus about the use of weak Hadith. We have the early Muhammadi theme that says use useful for Fala'i, and we have it acceptable. And in the middle we have scholars like that say that we can, be, can only be quoted
1: uh, or rated uh, by the scholar if the weakness is shown. I and mean, then Imam Hajar kind of mentions his, his kind of criteria. But is there consensus about the use of we can be or is it still uh, a difference sort of opinion? No, I imagine there is no consensus in this matter. Though most of people have been saying from very early generation. Their hadith of Fagal should be treated different from hadith of Ahmad. So they used to say weak hadith can be accepted. Like a, but those people who say weak hadith, the generation, like Mahdi or Rahman, Allah, Ta'ala, many people say what they meant by weak is what later on became Hasa hadith. So still, that's that, that what, that what they meant by, by weak hadith. Uh, so uh, uh, some people uh, say like that. But anyway, what we agreed upon that all the hadith is they cannot use it. Any Mulkar hadith is Even those who, who, who allow to use for, uh, weak hadith, they mean weakness when it is about you know, connectedness of the or about about the memory. But any any weakness because of the Adala, they say even that uh, that cannot be used for Faday and that where the hadith becomes Mulkar. So but many of the books actually are in circulation. They contain those hadiths which are munkar clearly by Muhammad. They never can be used. So they are not only simply daif, they are mukar hadith. So they can many of the examples you gain, most of the examples of being given when you
3: discuss Niyah, are related to Ibadah. I was wondering, in your opinion, how important is it to have a pure and correct Niyah? matters of the matters of trading or your,
1: your day-to-day tasks? Is that just as important? The thing basically is that those things which are not pure of Ibadah those things are not pure of Ibadah you know, in, in Islam, everything is Ibadah but there are certain things that are pure of Ibadah pure of Ibadah is like Salah, like the fasting like Zakatah, Hajj, these things they never can have any validity without proper Nia but those things which are not proper of Ibadah they still are valid, like buying and selling marriage, if somebody marries still to wait. But when people make a ibadah, even in those things which are not pure ibadah, then they become a ibadah. So for example, if somebody is buying and selling, is fine, there's no sin in that. But if you buy and selling you make intention, I will earn money, then I will feed my family, my wife, my children, and you know, then we can worship Allah, Taala. So to even your business become a, 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 a ibadah. Or sometimes when you make an intention which implies to save you from any sin, that also can have some reward for you. It depends on how much how much intention is it. to so learn this thing properly, for the ibadah intention must be there. Those things which are not ibadah, they are still valid without the intention. But intention makes them ibadah. They become part of the ibadah. Is it clear? Muhammad. So this man who came to the Prophet, he asked the question, the first thing he said, Ya yeah, Muhammad, O Muhammad. In some hadith it has come, Ya Rasulullah, O Allah, Allah the Messenger. So no doubt the, the minor always have been to call the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with the, his title, Ya Nabi Allah, Ya Yun Nabi, Ya Rasulullah, or with the Kuniya, Ya Abul qasim To call anybody with the name, that is bad manner, Especially for someone who's older than you, or somebody who's more respected, call the person with the name, that's not good manner. So the good manner always is to call the people with the title, with something actually they're known. So for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Nabi Allah, uh, Arab generally they like to call someone who is you know, older than them with the Kuniya. Ya yani, Ba Fulah, Ya Ba Ya Qasim or something like that. Why this person say Ya Muhammad in some hadith? Because Arab Bedouin they did not know this man. Very often when they used to come to the Prophet they used to say Ya yeah, Muhammad. And this person, you know, from the very beginning, he's making effort uh, in making a way that it looks like a stranger or someone who from Bedouin who does not have you know, a right, right manner. So people can have pay full attention to his question. So some people actually interpret like that. But any other to call the Prophet Muhammad, it is not actually right manner. And now you can see really many people who claim that they love the Prophet and in their mosque, they hang this thing Ya Muhammad. A very bad matter if the Prophet is there, you don't call him Ya Muhammad, you'll call him Ya Rasulullah, Ya Nabi Allah. So this person says Ya Muhammad, akhbirni al-Islam. tell me about Islam. So when he came he asked certain questions, and three questions are one is about Islam, one about Iman and one about Ihsan. And the order sometimes changed, in some hadith the order is Islam, then Iman, then Ihsan like this one. In some hadith the order is Iman then Islam, then Ihsan. So both orders are there. What is the difference between Iman and Islam? Some people say Iman and Islam, both are the same. But actually, if you look in the Hadith literature, also in the Quran, it does not look very same. Iman basically is something from the heart. Iman means to believe. And belief only comes in the heart. Belief is not by tongue. It is not what you say. It is what in your heart. And that belief. And belief keeps increasing and decreasing. So you know, sometimes certain, you know, some people, they are more certain than the other people. So certainty in the heart or belief in the heart, they keep decreasing and increasing. So when the Quran is more revealed, you can see the believers, their belief, they keep increasing. So Iman is from the heart. And Islam is submission to Allah SWT, Surrendering to him. When people make submission to Allah SWT, there is initial stage, beginning of Islam, and there is you know, a later stage. Beginning of Islam is that you declare with your tongue there is no Allah, no one to be worshipped other than Allah. And then Muhammad Allah, the messenger. And then after they do prayer and things like that. That is the beginning of Islam. And then Islam also keeps increasing increasing until you have Iman as well. Islam basically is more general. Islam is starting with the tongue and then after your actions and other things until it becomes Iman. So keep in mind, Iman is from the heart and Islam is the whole region. But very often it starts with the tongue, with your declaration. And that actually is also in in, like in the Quran says, Arab Badu they come to you and they say, We are believers. Tell them you are not believers. Don't say we are believers. Say we have accepted Islam. Because that actually how is people accept Islam. So when people say Ashadwallah Rasulullah, that means they have entered into Islam. That is not Iman. Many people by mistake they say so and so have become Momin. not a believer. Belief is something later on, he has become Muslim, he has accepted Islam. So Islam comes with declaration of the Shahada and then certain actions. Iman basically is when those realities of of Islam, they become firm and deeper in, in, in heart, then one becomes a believer. Is it clear? And that why, you know, some, for the, some people say both are the same. And the reason they say that, you know, in 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 the Quran, the story of Lut alayhi when the angels came, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that, you know, we saved, uh, you know, everybody who were the believers. And then Quran says فَمَا وجدنا فيها غير بيت من and we did not find in it except one house among the Muslims. So they say Quran has used the word Muslims for the same family who were believers. But this is not the theory. Really. If you look deeper, what actually happening is Allah wa ta'ala saved them because they were believers. But I just don't know the belief of the people. I just only know Islam. So when they came to save, they are looking for Islam. So in, in this world, for example, if there is any Islamic state or many Muslims, when we deal with the people, we deal on the ground of Islam. But whether people are believers or not, that is known by Allah. Our dealing with the people will be on the base of the Islam, not Iman. Iman is something known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when the Quran, you know, looks that Iman is not the same, they are not the same. You know, if you look in those verses, you can see very clearly that there are some differences. So anyway, Islam basically, you know, in, in, in the hadith and the Quran, it starts with the initial stage, which means declaration of the Shahada, and then the prayer and the fasting, and other things, and it also can increase. Iman comes for the firm belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in angels and all those things, and they also keep increasing. So this person ask about Islam, the what Islam is. Then the messenger of Allah, said Islam is this thing. And tashtad ala illallah wa anna muhammadan rasulullah. You bear witness. You declare that there is no Allah other than Allah. And Allah means in the Quran and the Sunnah and actually uh, uh, the real meaning of Arabic language, Allah means ma'bud. So إلا إلا means la ilaha illallah means la ma'budah illallah. I bear witness that there is no one to be worshipped other than Allah. So basically you mean the tawhid of the ibadah, the tawhid of And that the Muhammad Allah the messenger. And Allah the messenger means that whatever he tells it is coming from Allah. So whatever he tells we must accept that. So first thing actually is anything that comes from the Prophet that must be taken, must be accepted. And second thing is nobody's word can be as his word. So if there is any difference between his words and people's words, we will follow him because he is a messenger. So, for example, Imam Malik, Imam Muhanifa, Imam, Imam Shafi, and all those Imams, they came to explain to us the religion that was brought by the Prophet. But if sometimes people find any difference. The way is come back to Allah and his messenger because he is a messenger, people are not messenger. Everybody can do mistake. Imam Malik used to say, من قوله إلا صاحب هذا القبر صلى الله عليه وسلم Everybody's word can be accepted and can be rejected except the one who is in this grave, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم because he's the messenger. So his word must be accepted. If people don't accept his word, they're not believers. The second thing is that the second part of shahada is أن محمد رسول الله Then after that comes the prayer and that you establish the prayer. Iqamatu salah is more than the prayer. Iqamatu salah means doing the prayer as best as possible. So like for example with the adhan, with the wudu, with the congregation, with the jama'ah in the masjid properly with khushu and as much as possible. Iqamatu salah means doing prayer as best as possible. That is Iqamatu salah. It is not basically like a burden you take it out. No, it is actually it should be done properly with full attention with full care, with all the conditions, whatever recommended, that is aqamah zakat, And that you give zakat and that it will come in some other well, insha'Allah. And zakat as you know is basically the obligatory payment on, on, on believers. When people uh, you know uh, own certain amount of, uh, of money or they become owner of the nisab, then when one year passes on that ownership, then you have to give in the path of Allah 2.5% of all your ownership, that is zakat. What a suma Ramadan, and that you fast in the month of Ramadan. The fasting of the month of Ramadan, that's also part of Islam. So When people become Muslim, this, they must do this. Other fasting, they are not obligatory, but the fasting of the month of Ramadan, that's obligatory. And this hadith, actually, are the similar hadith there are also proof that in Arabic language, you can use the word Ramadan without using Shahar. There are some people of the Arabic uh, language, grammar and uh, language. They say all those Arabic months uh, which start with the Ra, you are not allowed to use them without the word Shahr. Like for example Shahr, Rabi Al Shahar Shahr Rabi Al Rajab and Shahr Ramadan. Four months uh, people say you must have shahar before that. But the thing actually is uh, there are so many hadiths uh, where it has come without Shahr. So that why the correct opinion of the scholar actually is uh, that all the Arabic months the, you are allowed to use them Without the word shar or with the word shar both are correct. And that you do hajj, uh, you know, if you can afford to go there. So that is also part of it. It's kind of considered, kind of prayer is obligatory on everybody. Fasting is when people come in the month of Ramadan. And then after zakat, when people have enough money to pay zakat. And hajj, when people can afford to go hajj, uh, and basically affording means that you have enough money that you can go for the Hajj and come back and meanwhile uh, you have enough money also for your family so when you are not there they can survive, they can live on that. So if you don't have enough, that enough, then the Hajj will not be obligatory upon you. So that Hajj, the person said you are right. So this amazing thing. But this person is coming to ask question. The people who ask question, it means they don't know. And when you said to someone that you are right, it means you knew the answer. So that was another thing for the companions to be surprised at what happened. This person is asking question, and when the Prophet answered the question, this person says what? Sadatta, you are right. So that was something that they made them to be surprised. We were surprised that this person asking him and also testifying that you know you are right. Then the person said to the Prophet, tell me about Iman. That you believe in Allah. What belief in Allah means? Belief in Allah means so that he is the Rabb. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. Everything coming from him. He was and nothing was there. I will be there. Nothing will be there. Basically, he is the and And he is the creator. Everything comes from him. And since he is the Rabb, then he must be Allah, he must be obeyed, he must be worshipped. That means Iman Billah. All those details that people actually are discussing from their own minds and from all the reasonings and because of the influence of the philosophy, they are never part of the Quran and Sunnah. The Quran never taught people any complication. The reason is because Allah is nothing similar to him. And people only can discuss those things which are similar to them. You know, you, Allah SWT is not similar to anything else, so about him we only can know what he tells, about him only we can know whatever his Messenger says, in anything, uh, any other details about Allah SWT, which are not mentioned in the Quran, which are not mentioned in the Sunnah of the Prophet they are impossible to be to understood properly. So That's why the thing always have been from the Salaf, about Allah SWT, that we believe in, in him as he says, we believe in him as his Messenger says. But we and, to, and at the same time we say La nothing is like him. So we believe in all the attributes. He is Rahman, he is Rahim, his he is his he he's all those attributes. But at the same time, we also say La nothing is like him. So all the attributes are there and nothing like him. You know, in this way, the best thing actually is what is narrated from Imam Shafi Rahmu Ta'ala. He said, manin talabi Anybody who wants to understand his creator and then he finds a similarity between him and between something else and he thinks the creator must be like that. He the mushabbe. he is making Allah similar to other people. And if anybody makes effort and they say no, Allah does not have this, Allah does not have this, Allah does not have this, all negation, all negation, that this person is Mu'attir, Mu'attir means that he basically he has got rid of all the attributes of Allah But if anybody he said, فَهُوَ Anybody who said Allah exists, but we are unable to comprehend him, that is Muwahid. Allah is not like anybody else. So the best way is we believe that he is Rahman, he is Rahim, he is Maliki Omidir and all the attributes that have come in the quran sunnah we believe in all of them but you know the details of those attributes we surrender refer them to allah subhanahu wa taala and the way is when you worship him you know more him about him so the way always have been the, whenever the people used to accept islam the prophets and used to ask them to do ibadah worship when you worship allah SWT, when do ibadah when do the prayer when you ask him when you make dua you know him more and allah becomes nearer to you So the way to know Allah is through the Ibadah, not by discussion. Philosophical discussion and argument, they don't make you nearer to Allah Otherwise, the philosophers would have been the best believers, and that's not true. And the philosophers, they should have known him more, but the philosophers never agree on on anything. So the best way is about Allah to believe in whatever in the Quran, Sunnah, and then worship him, do Ibadah, you know him more as the the, prophets, uh, prophets and messengers have been doing. So that is to believe in Allah ta'ala, and to believe in his angels. Malaika is the plural of Malak. Malak means angel. So there are creations who Allah has created uh, I know, and they always do good. They never disobey him and they are more like uh, spirits. We don't see them but they can see us. Allah ta'ala made them in a way. They can see us and they are Malaika. They are used by Allah ta'ala to, You know, they work for him. You know, all this, you know, uh, everything in, in this world is run by Allah, but He uses the angels. So, when people die, angel comes and take the soul. When the day of judgment will come, angels will be working for Allah. When people provide the provision, angels are coming. So, these angels, they are servants of Allah, they are slaves of Allah, and they do either Allah commands, they never disobey Him. So, that's what we have believed. So that's why we know that they are not doing from themselves, so those people who make angels as God, they are wrong. So that's why belief in angels are very very important. You see things happening and you see, don't see anybody else, so we know this is happening because angels are working there, Allah deplored them. So when people believe in angels, they become actually more muwahid. So you know it is condition for tawhid, for believing in oneness of Allah that people must believe in the angels. and his books, that Allah Taala has been sending the books for the guidance all the time. All the prophets, all the messengers who came here, they received guidance in the shape forms of the book from Allah SWT, like the books given to Ibrahim AS, you know, scriptures given to Salam, and then after that to Musa Tawrah, and then after the Dawud AS, Zabur, and many other messengers, and Isa AS was given in Injil, and the Prophet Muhammad SA has been given the Quran, in all those minor and major books, which are given to the people, to the prophets, we believe that they all of them have been from Allah, they have the same source. And we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent to every people in every time messengers and prophets they have been coming and teaching people. Until the last one was the Prophet Muhammad, and after him, there is no, no messenger. And we believe in the last day. And that actually very important. Otherwise, this word actually has no meaning. This word well, only has meaning when people believe in the last day, meaning is in this world people have been created to worship Allah to work and the reward will be and the judgment, judgment will be in the day hereafter. It could be you can see there are people in this world, they are wrongdoers and Allah has delayed them but it does not mean that they are free to do whatever like no, Allah is going to question them, they will be going accountable. There are very, people who are very very pious but they are wronged. they have so many problems, difficulty. It does not mean that Allah cannot help them. No, Allah can help them, but Allah is going to make a real judgment in the day of judgment when they will get actually reward for what they have been doing. So, last day basically very, very important. Otherwise, this whole word has no meaning. Last day. And that you believe in the Qadr, in the destiny, all good and bad. And here actually, people should know. Allah is the creator of everything. So everything that happening in this world whether good or bad it is happening from him. He does this and also he knows in advance. He knows what will happen in the future. He knows what so and so will do in the future and when people do those things they are doing with the power of Allah he is the one who is the the creator of every action that is done by the people. Every good action, every bad action is happening from him. But the minor is that when you do something good say it is from Allah. You went for the prayer and you did prayer to say thank Allah He made me to pray, the prayer from Him and then you committed a sin. What you should say? This sin is from me. Though every good and bad is from Him. But the minor is when you get something good, refer it to Allah and thank Him. When you get something bad, refer it to yourself, accuse yourself, blame yourself and ask Allah to forgive. This is good minor. But the belief is that every good and every bad in this world happening from same Allah. There is no two gods. You know creator of one is creator of good and one creator of bad, like you know people of the Persian or you know, these uh, Majus. They used to believe there are two gods, you know, uh, Khoda, uh, Izzad, Yazda and Ahraman. Yazda is the one who does everything good and Ahraman is the one who does everything bad. We don't believe in that. Everything coming from the same Allah he is the creator, he is a doer. But at the same time, when actions are happening, we see from the people. The people have got also freedom. Allah is the creator. But he also has given people choice and the freedom to do things. How both goes together, we don't know. We know that when I do the prayer, it is Allah SWT who made me to pray. but also I know it is me who did the prayer. So, how much I know I have got the power and how Allah SWT is using this, that is something a secret. The qadr, the destiny is a secret from Allah. SWT. People don't know. We believe in that, but we don't know the details. That why the Salaf used to say, whenever somebody used to ask Salaf about the qadar, about the destiny, they used to say أنت wama akhtaka, lam yakun Qadr is that you know that whatever has happened to you, it was not to miss you. It must have happened. And whatever has missed you, it never would have happened to you. So whatever happened to us, it must have happened. And whatever has missed us, it never could have happened to us. And also, there is a, one of the nice stories from Ali Ratho. Somebody asked Ali Radilla Turanho, the fourth caliph uh, تلعانه, about Qada, about destiny. Uh, then he did not answer. The person came again, again, insisting on it four times. Then Ali Dilatuna said to him, Answer me these questions. He said to him, Lamma halakallahu tahala, Khalaqaka fatasha, a shao am when Allah created the whole universe, He also created you. Tell me when He created you, He created you as He wanted or as you wanted. When Allah created you, He created you as you wanted or as He wanted. The person said, no, as He wanted. He created me as He wanted. Then Allah has given you this life as you want, as He want. want? The person knows as he wanted. You know, for example, we are born in this time. It's not our choice. Allah Allah created us in this time, you know, from these parents, as he wanted. So this person says, as Allah wanted. Then Ali asked him, Fa yo me took a kaifayasha, am Kaifa kaifa Tasha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause death to you, he will make you to die as you want or as he wants. Ka the ba kifeasha as he wants. Ka la al if Iomanayama, yasha? am kai fatasha. He will raise you again in the day of judgment as you want or as he wants. He said, No, as he Allah wants. He will judge you as he wants or as you want. As he wants. Go, you have nothing. And one of the tabi actually is a very important tabi. One of these Qadari people who used to refuse Qadar, you know, destiny, came to him. And this Tabi said to him, you know, listen to me, that when you say you are the doer of everything, how do you do? He said, I do with my mind, with my brain, with my intellect, with my Aql, I do. So then the Taba said, this is your Aql by, you, you, by which you claim that you are the doer of everything, Tell me this Aql was somewhere and you went and you collected it, or it is something given to you as a gift? He so, said, no, it is something given me as a gift. He so said, then what do you do? Even that Aql by which you choose everything, it is not yours. It is given by, by Allah You can seriously, really, you know me, my parent, even my language, where I'm born, the time chosen for me, every single thing is decided not by me, by someone else. And now we people claim that we are the doers. This is not true. Think properly. Actually the truth basically is, no doubt Allah is the creator and every single thing destined by him. By the same time, people are responsible for their actions. And Allah knows that how much they are accountable. He will be judged. This is something a secret nobody knows. No angel, no prophet, no messenger. Only Allah knows the secret of the qadr of the destiny. So one of the things he said that you believe about the qadr, that everything good and bad coming from Allah The person said you are right. The person said then tell me about Ihsan. Ihsan in Arabic language means doing things nicely, properly. Ahsana means to do things properly. So what Ihsan is, you know, how Islam becomes good, how Iman becomes good, what is doing things properly. Ihsan. The Prophet have said that Ihsan is that you worship Allah as if you see him. For if you don't see him, he sees you. So some people say that two stages of Ihsan. One is that you worship Him as you see Him. If this you cannot get, then the second one is you do things and you believe that He sees you. But actually the thing is, it is not true. If you look in the Hadith, it is not what he said. The Hadith is saying that worship Allah as if you see Him. And then the person is explaining that what it means if you see Him. It says because if you don't see Him, He sees you. So, his seeing you means as if you see him. Is it clear? It is only one thing. Meaning basically is that you worship Allah as if you see him. And how I see him? Because he sees us. So then we should believe that you know we can see him. So that what actually is, Ibadah, Ibadah should be done in a way that you see Allah How we see him? Because he sees us. If he sees us, it is like basically being that we see him. This is what makes people to do things properly. When people pray, when people fast, when people pay zakat, when people make any dealing, when you deal with the people, with your husband, with your wife, with your children, every time thinking that Allah is the one who sees, that what makes Ihsan. Then Ibadah becomes basically good, that becomes purely for Allah. That is the best way of Ibadah, that people think, see properly that Allah sees, sees them. And this really the, the stage that Allah wants every believer to create. Because we are doing the prayer, but our prayer is not in, on the stage of Ihsan. We do fast, we do so many good deeds, but still we are not muhsaneen. When people become muhsaneen, then the reward actually multiplied by many, many times. And the people in the past, that's how they used to make effort uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to see Allah SWT when they're doing a ibadah. Like Ulwa zubair one of the great tabi'i and the scholar of the hadith you know, among the teachers of Zuhri. Or when Zubair Rahman Ta'ala, the son of Zubair Awwam, the son of Asma bin Tabi Bakr, his great tabi'i. he said, I was doing Tawaf with Abdullah Umar, the and Abdullah Umar is great uh, Sahabi. So he said, I was doing uh, uh, Tawaf, and during the Tawaf, I said to him, I made a proposal while doing Tawaf that I want to marry your daughter Safiya. So I made while, while doing Tawaf. عُمَرْ فِي فَلَمْ But Abdullah Umar did not answer. In Tawaf, Avruvan Zubair asked Abdullah Umar that I want to marry your daughter. But Abdullah Zubair never answered Abdullah Umar did not answer the question. Then after that in Medina, when they came back to Medina, he met him. So Abdullah Umar, he apologized that why I did not answer. He said, كُنَّا فِي الطَّوَافِ we, when we were in Tawaf, we are seeing Allah in front of us. So, how could I answer about marriage or something like that? You know, in Tawaf, I could not answer your question because I, could, I was seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, while doing Tawaf. Allah was there in front of us to so see how his Tawaf is. You know, marriage as a daughter being asked by someone who is good, actually, no doubt, or Zubair. And then after that, Abdul Umar, Umar said to him, O oh, are you still on the same proposal? Still you want to marry my daughter? He said, yes, you know, I'm I, 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 as much interested as I, I could be. And then he asked his sons to come and then he married immediately and the marriage was done. But you can see he did not answer the question when doing tawaf. Because in tawaf he could see Allah. So this is how believers actually should respect Allah and, and see him all the time. One of the taba'in says, khafil laha ala وَاَسْتَحِيَ مِنْهُ عَلَىٰ قَدْرِ قُرْبِهِ منك. Fear Allah SWT as much as he has power upon you. You know we fear everybody, we fear the king, we fear the police, we fear everything. Why? Account to the power. Tell me who has more power, Allah or anybody else. So these people say fear Allah SWT account to his power upon you. And we also feel shame, shyness from the people. There are many things we will not do in the presence of our parent Many things we will not do in the presence of the friends. Many things we want to cover from the people, hide from the people. So, the Desh say that whenever you do anything, feel shyness from Allah s.w.t. that as much as he nearer to you. Who is nearer to us? Allah or our parent? Allah or our friends? Who is nearer? So, whenever we do any action, keep these two things in mind. First thing is Allah is more powerful than anyone else. And second thing is Allah is more nearer, he sees us more than anyone else. If you keep this two in mind, then you can get Ihsan. Bakr al-Muzani, also from Basra, one of the great Tabi, he said مَمْ مِثْلُكَ يَبْنَ آدَمْ كُلَّ مَا شِئْتَ دَقَلْتَ عَلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ لَيْسَ بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ تَرْجُمَانَ He said, O son of Adam, who can be like you? Bakr al-Muzani said, O son of Adam, who can be like you? You, whenever you like, you can enter upon Allah Whenever you like, you can come to meet your Lord, you talk with him and there is no interpreter between you and him. Nobody in between you. Whenever you like, you can talk with your Lord and Allah is so near to us. You can ask with him, ask him, you can pray, you can talk with him and there is nobody between him and you. Who can be like us? You know, if you, are, if you can see Allah he is so near to us, then who can be like us? So, he said Who can be like you? You know, whenever you want, you can interrupt on your Lord. Abu Sama said, Abu Sama said, I came to Muhammad ibn Nadr al-Harasi. Abu Sama said, I came to Muhammad Nadr al and when I came, him, I came to him, I didn't find him welcoming. He did not welcome me. Like, you know, he, he minded my, my entrance. I said to him, oh, Muhammad uh, it it seems to me that you dislike that people come to you. You don't like people coming to you. He said yes. I said to him, don't you feel lonely? You, know, you don't want anybody to come to you. Don't you feel lonely? How can I feel lonely when Allah said, I am next to one who remembers me. If Allah is with me, how can I feel lonely? Just think really. The when, you, when you are alone, you say Allah, la ilaha illallah, Allah is next to you. How can you feel lonely? And really I like this story of a, you know, the Indian saint, he you was know, not a Muslim. A, a, a Sufi came to one of the you know, Hindu saint and said to him that you know, my Sheikh is not here and I'm traveling. Can you advise me something? Do so, you know Hindu saint know what, what about Muslims? So he said to him that, you know, do you know Allah? The Muslim said, yeah, I know Allah. So he said, if you know Allah, then don't worry if you don't know anyone else. And then he asked him, does Allah know you? He said, yeah, Allah knows me. So he said, if Allah knows you, then don't worry if nobody else knows you. you know, we care about everything else. We care actually about people, about, about creation. You know, Allah knows us. If Allah knows us, then queens and kings and ministers, they don't know what happens. And we, we think we don't know so and so. So what? If you know Allah, if you know Allah, then don't care if you don't know anybody else. If Allah knows you, then don't care if nobody else knows you. You know who can be more than Allah? So we know Allah, and Allah knows us. <تصفيق> People ask Malik Mirwal. He was alone in his house. Don't you feel lonely? قال Allah Yahad. Does anybody feel lonely with the Allah قال غزوانَ قَلْبِي فِي man مَنْ لَدَيْهِ Razwan said, "I found the comfort of my heart in sitting next to one who fulfills my need. You know, other people, don't fulfill your need. If you come and you know, feel, you know enjoy company of anybody else, they can't, can't help you. But enjoy the company of one who helps you. Who can fulfill your desire, whatever you want. You know, he he can respond to you." <laughs> Muslim said the people never have any enjoyment, better than enjoyment of talking with Allah And that's why the ulama say that Allah when he creates needs for the believers, it is not that he cannot help them, he can, could help us without creating need. When we are feel hungry, when we don't have money, we don't have, we have problem, Allah could have, could have created in a way, no problem. No need. When Allah creates needs, when he creates problems for believers, why? So then people because of the problem, they come to him, he wants to give them enjoyment of his company. The people have problem difficulty, they come and pray and come to him and then they forget the problem. Because the enjoyment of being in company of Allah the enjoyment of asking him is such enjoyment you forget everything. You wanted money, you came to Allah you got more than that. If anything you want, come to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, you will get more than you wanted. The company of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, enjoyment of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is far far better than any other enjoyment. So Muslim, you sir, ma talad dalat ma talad dalat mutlaqidun be misal khalwat bilnaajatillah ala azawajal. People never have found any enjoyment better than enjoyment of being with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So this basically is no doubt really ihsan. قَالَ فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ السَّاعَةِ then the, this person asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam tell me about the hour, about the last hour when it will come. This no doubt again a secret of Allah Allah never told anybody when, when the last hour will come. Even the angel who is appointed to blow the horn of the last hour he doesn't know. He is holding it and as Allah commands he will blow but he does not know the exact time. He is just waiting for the command of Allah and he will do. Nobody knows. So when this person asked the Prophet Sallallahu tell me about the hour. قَالَ مَا الْمَسْؤُولُ عَنْهَا بِعْلَمَ مِنَ السَّائِلِ Very nice answer. The one who is being questioned about, about the hour, he does not know more than the one who is questioning. In this matter, me and you both are equal. I have no more knowledge than you. Nobody has. قَالَ فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنْ أَمَارَاتِهَا And some version is on Tell me about the sign of the Day of Judgment. The signs of the Day of Judgment, there are many, many. Some of those signs, they are basically more material to which everybody can feel, you know, even people who are clearly does not have, you know, much understanding, they can see, you know, that will have, like, Antichrist will come and this will come and that will come, the Dabba will come, animal will come, and the sun will rise from, you know, from the, from the west. There are many, many signs which can be known for the people easily. But there are certain signs which are the real signs, really. The signs are the meaning and the what, people who are belief, they can see them. So the Prophet answered this thing about, about the sign of the judgment that the slave girl will give birth of his own, her own mistress. In some version has come Rabbaha, her own master. And some version has come Baalaha, her, her, her husband. Meaning basically same thing. The slave girls actually in the past, when people used to have slavery, even in some parts, there by any people have to slave. So the master who owned the slave, slave girl, he had right to have a relation with her. People have a relation. With two things either by the marriage or by the ownership. So if anybody owns a slave girl they can have a relation and there are many reasons for that I am not going to detail you know. And when, uh, when a child is born from the master from that slave girl that child is born as free. So if slave girl is a slave and her child he is free. This slave girl after being giving birth uh, you know child from the master she is called Ummu Walad. Ummu Walad basically means that after the death of the master she also become free. But if the people don't know the Islamic law what will happen actually is the son who is born from the slave girl is now master because he is free. If he does not know it could happen that he treats his mother as a slave. So meaning of the hadith is the time will come when the people will treat their mothers as slave. They become like her husband or her master that will come. So much ignorance will be there. People will not respect their mothers. There are so many other meanings. So no doubt really and also some people take more gender. The time will come when the children, they will treat their parent, their mother basically like their slaves. And you can say the time has come really. That you know many, many people they don't respect their mother. You know like people in the past they used to have so much respect. That one of the tabai, he entered into his house and his mother was in, in prayer. He did not like to sit before her. He kept waiting until she finished the prayer. Then after that when she asked, then he said. Hassan Basir he never liked to raise his voice above the voice of his mother. And once he did, then he freed many slaves for, you know, for the kafar. So You can see how much respect was there. The time will come when people have no respect for the mother, when people have no respect for the father. That is one of the signs of the day judgment, and that sign actually is coming more and more clear to the people. And the second sign is, You will see the people, those people who are barefooted, means they have nothing, you know, nothing in their feet, no shoes, nothing. Very poor people, naked people, they don't have enough clothes to put on. People who are dependent on the other people, they're so poor. They're shepherds of the sheep, means they basically don't own anything. People using them, to, you know, to be a shepherd. The p- meaning is the people who are Bedouin, they are very poor, they don't own anything, they basically you know, don't have a proper clothes, they don't have proper food. People like that, you will see them, البنان, they are competing each other in the building. This is one of the people who are born they are in the family, which are poor. They basically they are, make money very quickly and then they are making high, high building. The making high building no doubt is not pervert in Islam anyway, but especially when the, you can see people from the lower family, people from the, from the poor family, they are make money very quickly and they start, because Allah does not want this competition, Allah wants people to compete in the real thing, in the actions, in the belief, in being pious. in allah so when people start competing each other in the building, that is sign of the Day of Judgment. And now, doubt we can see in our time really, there are many, many people. They're ignorant. They don't have any manner. They don't have belief. And they're coming from a poor family. They make money. And they're basically competing everybody in the big building and high building. That is one of the of the Day of Judgment. Then this person who came asking question, he left. He went. Maliyan. Maliyan means you know, for a time. So then I stayed for a time. Umar for a while I stayed. So maqala, then the Prophet said to me after a while, and some hadith has come after three days. Then Umar again met the Prophet after three days. And then Allah the said to him, Yeah, Umar, at Mani's side, Umar. do you know who was this questioner who came to ask this question? to Allah Rasul I said, Allah and His Messenger know the best. So this is the minor of the companions. Because whenever the Prophet asks a question, they will say, Allah, Rasul, Allah, His Messenger, they know the best. He was Jibreel, he came to you to teach you your religion. Imam Bukhari said, The Prophet used the word deen religion for all those things. Deen means Iman, Islam, Ihsan, all those details. In this hadith, it is that the Prophet asked Umar after three days, Do you know who is the uh, person who asks the question? But in the Hadith of Abu Huraira, which are in Bukhari and also in Muslim, the, there is that after, after the question when the person left, the Prophet ﷺ said to the people, go on, uh, and make the person come back, you know, ask him to come back. And when people went out to find him, they didn't find anybody. Then they came and they said to the person, nobody is there. The Messenger said, this is Jibreel came to teach your religion. So why Umar is saying after three days? So the reason could be, that you know when the, the person left Umar also must have left for some reason so he was not there. And then the Prophet said to the people go and find the person and they did not find him. So he said that he was Jibril came to teach you. Then after few days when the Prophet met Umar because he knew that Umar was not there. So he asked Umar do you know who was the person? Umar said no Allah and my messenger know the best. Then the Prophet said to him is, uh, you know is this was Jibril who came to teach people in about the day of judgment. But the thing actually in this one is, you uh, know, one of the signs of the judgment, everybody has been saying, uh, is that the main thing in this is uh, that whenever those people who are not qualified for something and they are interested in that, and that becomes very common, that is the sign of the day of judgment. Because one of the hadith has come, whenever people entrust their matter to someone, who is not trustworthy, who is not actually qualified for that, then wait for the day of uh, Qiyamah. Like for example, if somebody is not good alim and they start teaching. Somebody is not qualified for give fatwa and they start giving fatwa. Somebody is not qualified to become Imam and they become Imam. Somebody is not qualified to become trustee of the mosque or to become you know, uh, so, you know uh, 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 guardian of the mosque and they start doing all those things. Then people should wait for the day of judgment. One hadith has come, the Prophet said, La حَتَّى يَكُونَ أَسْعَدَ الْنَاسِ بِهَا لُكَعُ بْنُ لُكَعُ The Qiyamah will not come until the most successful become in this world will come those people who are mean people and son of the mean people. It's the lowest people will become the owner of everything. And you know in this uh, uh, competing about the building, no doubt, in Islam always have been very bad. Hassan basir said, كُنتُ أَدْخُلُ بُجُوتَ أَزْوَاجِ النَّبِيَ صلى الله عليه وسلم فِي خِلَافَةَ I used to enter into the houses of the of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam during the Khilafah and I could reach to the roof of the house with my hand. He was a young boy. It was a so, you was know, so a small house. He could reach to the roof with his own house. These are the houses of the best person on the face of the earth, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ibn Abbas that the Prophet said I see that after my, my death you will uh, you know, uh, make your, 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 your mosque lofty and very high as the Jews and Christians have made you know, their, their, their churches and the place of worship very high. So no doubt really you know this competition in the buildings even for the mosque not allowed, and there are so many things from Umar from many other companions they did not allow people like people to compete anybody for the building. So even actually for, and that's why the ulama say that for the mosque, any money that is spent from the waqf, from the trust, you know, that only allowed that spending that can make the building stronger. But anything which comes to decorate the building, to paint the building, and to use the colors. The work money, The money that is coming from the endowment and from the spending of the people, it is not allowed to spend on that. Any money for coloring the mosque, for painting the mosque, for beautifying the mosque, people are not allowed to use the work money for that. Only they can allow that money which can make the building stronger and you know, lasting. Otherwise any other money, fuqaha make very clear that the people who are responsible for the mosque, they are not allowed to use that money uh, in the mosque. Anyway, so this hadith, it's a very important hadith, uh, you know, for, uh, for Islam, basically it has got uh, all the major, you know, pillars of Islam, uh, you know, uh, Islam and Iman and the Day of Judgment. I'll stop it here, inshallah. And if you have any question, please ask.
2: Just, we'll take some questions now. Uh, before the questions, uh, a couple of announcements. Inshallah, um, the salatul salatul zuhr is at one30 pm. The jama is at one30 pm. So we will break at uh, uh, quarter past one. Inshallah, so that will give you time to make, all uh, the refresh yourselves. And then soon afterwards, soon after salatul zuhr, we will have lunch. The lunch is ready and it has arrived. Uh, you can see at the back there's a, there's there's two doors and that's the kitchen. And uh, the brothers queue up on, on the on the on my right side, and the sisters put queue up on on my left side. Uh, the lunch is chicken biryani with um, juice, salad, and whatever else is there. Inshallah. Three pounds each, three pounds per head. Um, so please enjoy the. I am inshallah. inshallah. Will you take questions? Yes, sisters first. Okay. Uh, Um, question is uh, you talked about being with Allah and loving him more than anyone else is there a book is there a book that you recommend that gather ayah and ahadi about the love of Allah
1: uh, in the Arabic language you know there are so many uh, collections for, for this purpose actually uh, you know the best thing to read the Quran yourself you know people should actually read the Quran because Quran does it so nicely Nothing can make so sure nicely, you know, if you read different stories of the Quran. So the best thing actually is because when you get that from the Quran, it's never corrupted, it never has problems. When you take from the people, although you know. there, is, there is a fear of extremism. But when you think, take this from the Qur'an, it will be real and pure, and you will be basically on the, on, the, on the right path. The best thing basically is read the Qur'an, read the translation of the Qur'an, and then after that, you know, the, the books of the Hadith, where it really talks about the Zuhd, and about the Zikraf, and those things, you know, can be... But otherwise, in you know, one of the books, the very important, this matter, Imam Ghazali, which has got many good things... But also because you know, sometimes Imam Azali is not very careful about a hadith. And some of the hadith that he uses, they are not very authentic. So one should be careful. Otherwise, it's it also one of the important work on the members of Allah Sahota, and the law of Allah. Uh, I need to be selected with the brothers. It is no hands going up there. There's a brother
2: from South London. He said, Is that a <laughs> oh, He said, Because we are not under the act, letting some manners.
0: <laughs> Sheikh, um, you mentioned at uh, the beginning Abu Hanifa, from five to six pillars of Hadith. And uh, from his uh, this collections of his students, it seems in these collections, they're mainly quoted from the Kufan uh uh-huh, and not and not uh the Hadith are not going back he necessarily to pillars. Do you have any comments about about his
1: methodology or the methodology of the uh tabulatar in Arabic? You know the thing I mentioned earlier, really, Imam Ali, Bahnan Allah, he was teacher of the hadith al Fiqh both. So he used to teach hadith to whatever he got. Imam Muhanifa is I'm not teaching hadith or his hadith, he's basically teaching the fiqh. And in the fiqh no doubt he followed the way of the Quran Kufa. He uses basically all the time referring to Muhammad ibn sulaiman Ibrahim Nakai, and the people of Kufa. So he did not use his hadith material in that way. And people are writing whatever he's using. So I'm trying to say Imam Hanifa's knowledge of the hadith was actually more. But what he narrated is, is very little anyway. So al-athar many people who collected the Masanid, like Khwarizmi and other people, or the Masanid, they basically only are those hadith which Imam Hanifa used to use in discussion. What it is, but he's not a teaching hadith. So that is misunderstanding. Some people think that this must be Abu hadith of Hanifa. No, that's very written. That's what he used to, you know, use refer, uh, 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 reference to uh, to his check work. But otherwise, he not he can, If you look at his biography, you know, teacher of hadith are so many stories when he meets story and when he meets Amar uh, and all those people, there are so many Hatha all this he training a lot for everyone Imam Mahraham Allah never traveled, even did not get hadith up to the Makkah properly. So Imam in this matter is more lucky. But the only difference is Imam Hanifah did not teach Hadith. So that's why we don't have you know enough information what he used to uh, what learned from these people. Yeah. Uh, so now I've, um I've got
2: two
1: questions.
3: Um, the first one is somebody commits themselves to an action, and they intend it to be for the sake of Allah. But they don't know exactly how it's going to serve the cause of Allah. Like, for example, someone reads a degree at university physics, but they don't know exactly how that is going to, how they're going to go about serving Allah through, you know, studying physics. Will they still be awarded for that? And um, if they don't happen to eventually use that degree for the sake of Allah, will they still be rewarded? Um, yeah. And the other question is, if um, parents migrate for the sake of Allah to another country and they take their children with them, will the children be rewarded with the same award as the parents? And what about when they reach puberty? Will the children still be rewarded to move um would
1: the um, intentions of the parents count for their children? You know, the first uh, question actually is, make very clear, Islam does not mind people to have secular education. Because this one what actually is like that people need many of those uh, things uh, in this life, you know, for this world. Islam does not mind that. And those things they can be used for more than one way how to help Islam and Muslims. One way is basically in those fields. So, for example, somebody learns physics or something like that, they can make intention that this knowledge can they are going to use it to serve Islam and Muslims. But for example, if you don't have that intention or maybe that you don't have that opportunity to use for Islam and Muslims, second thing you you can make intention that you are going to use that knowledge for the sake of humanity and whatever money you earn, you are going to use the money to help you and your your family to support your family to earning money to support your family. To also to any money, anybody who seeks Naleh in order to earn money, and that money to support himself and his family, so they do a Ibadah, this also makes a Ibadah. So people can uh, seek any, t- take any Naleh uh, for the purpose of the money, as long like, their mind is very clear, that when they earn money, they are going to use it to support themselves and family, for worship Allah, so this is the thing. And, uh, and the second question is, the uh, you know, intention of anybody in never career. Your intention with you and your parents' intention with them and the people who before them, their intention with them. Nobody's intention, even actually your own intention, you know, it is keep changing. People have to be very careful. Intention must be always very, and people should actually guard it and always keep looking really that my intention never should be corrupt. Intention is never inherited. You can inherit other things from your parent, but you cannot inherit from them the intention. One has to make their own intention.
0: Um, Shaykh, we're all at risk of uh, uh, showing off and uh, our intention is being corrupted um, for the sake of doing things for other people. Uh, just a simple example, Shaykh, if there's somebody who recites Quran, I and mean, kind of recites it with a nice voice, um, and he might be eating salah, you know, in the back of his mind he might think, could I be doing this so that other people will like how I sound, And um, you know, with a praise. If these thoughts enter this person's mind, what kind of advice can you give people struggling with their intention to first of all, purify it? Um, what if even doing things in private still cause problems? What advice would you give Sheikh? Uh, Finally, Sheikh, don't mind because I don't think this was so going to give me the microphone again. Um, secondly, Sheikh, uh, regarding the second hadith about treating your parents with respect, um, sometimes you come across brothers and sisters who might have um, been hurt by their parents for um, some mistakes that they might have made. And in a way, you come across them that they may have lost respect for their parents. Um, how, what would you advise us to, to do to try
1: and rebuild um, that respect and love for our parents when we might have lost it? You know, the first thing actually is intention actually, no, not, it's not easy, it's a very difficult thing. And especially when intention is connected with those actions which are in public, they become even more difficult. Like, for example, reading the prayer, Leading the prayer, you know, it should be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when you lead the prayer, you are also commanded to improve, to, you know, make it to beautify your voice and make your accent properly, so people actually pray behind you, they are so concentrated. So sometimes it can come to mind, you know, the, looking at the people. So it is very difficult, no doubt about that really. But people have to make effort really that, you know, basically I am doing this for the sake of Allah ta'ala and when people enjoy my voice and things like that, it will be helping them for their prayer. And one way for testing that is, that when you pray alone, do you do the same or not? So for example, when you are praying, praying alone and you are rushing and you are not concentrating, then basically meaning is when you read the prayer, you are not doing it for the sake of Allah So the way is, when you read the prayer, do better than that when you are alone. When you are praying alone, make effort to make it better and you know, beautify it more and more. But as I said, it is not very easy thing. You know, It takes time and takes a lot of effort. Keep doing and also keep asking Allah to forgive you because this is the best of them. Do it as best as possible, but ask Allah to forgive you. The second question, answer answer to the second question is you know, not listening to the parent and not looking after them properly or not respecting them is one of the major sin, Any disrespect to the parent is one of the major sin. And people are never allowed to have, be, uh, to have any disrespect to the, to the parent whatever they have done. Even actually, the Quran says, even if your parent they are mushrik. And in Islam there is no sin more severe and worse than the shirk. Even if they are mushrik, still you must respect them must be nice to them. If in the past you have done something wrong to them or you raise your voice about them or you did not respect them, repent to Allah and come to your parents and ask them to forgive and improve yourself. That will help you, inshallah. But anyway, people are not, never allowed to treat their parents badly well because their parents are not good. You know, you are not just your parent. Being a parent itself means that you must respect them. Regardless whatever the action they do. It is not that you, you treat them nicely because they are nice. No. It, since they are parent, you must respect them and you must treat them well. If they are nice, that is nothing anyway. So keep that in mind that you don't judge about your parent. The way is, be nice to them, be soft to them, and if they are doing something wrong, you know, explain to them properly, nicely, in a way that you don't hurt you know, their heart. This is very, very important. If people don't respect their parent and don't love them, that is fear that they, their other actions will not be accepted. Unless Allah is not going to accept from the people, if the parents are not happy with them. To so make a to please your parent, as you make effort to please your boy. These are questions, inshallah. There's
2: a question from one of the online uh, students. Uh, question is, can we build big mosques and houses with the intention to show the blessings that Allah has best upon us.
1: Just as one may wear nice clothes to show the blessings of Allah best upon them. You know the big building I and mean, you know those things really we're just showing off. They basically are, money should not be wasted in, in, in this way. Because there are there are actually more more than one direction in is Islam where people need those money to be spent. There are so many poor people, there are so many ways where money can be spent. So, wasting money in the building is never encouraged. Are always discouraged, you always know, discourage wasting money in the building. Those money, you know, people need to build the mosque, people need to build the house. Then, after that, whatever money is spared, that should be spent uh, to the poor people. So, Islam never can actually uh, uh, encourage people to, to build a mosque in that way. Same with the clothes, and people are allowed to beautify themselves, but they are not allowed to show up. They are not allowed to be proud and arrogant. The clothes can be allowed as long as you don't show up and don't be arrogant and proud of of that clothes. Anyway, the summary of the whole thing basically is that building people are allowed to have as much as is sufficient, sufficient to their need. More than that, it is very dangerous and always have been discouraged in Islam.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode. To help us create more content like this and more, please consider supporting us by donating whatever you can. Please visit www.cambridgeislamiccollege.org and click the donate button. Jazakallah khairan.